0: Hello, everyone. My name is Hadil, also known as Hadil Speaks, and you're listening to Mr. Point, a podcast where I'm joined by activists, journalists, politicians, and everyday people to talk about politics and its context in the 21st century. Now, today I am joined by the amazing Andrew Coker, also known as Andrew the African Kid. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hi, guys. Um, as Hadil said, <laughs> Um, I I go by Andrew the African Kid on TikTok. I suppose you could say I'm a social media activist to some degree, but um, I talk about all sorts of stuff and I study law at work.
0: Before we get started with this episode, one thing I wanted to highlight is a project that Andrew and I are working on called the Racial Project. Andrew, take it away. Tell us why people should get involved and what's going on.
1: So the Racial Project, as you just said, is something that we've been working on. It's kind of an educational resource that we're creating and it's something that we need your help with essentially we want people of color to come and tell us their stories of racism tell us their experiences and we're trying to collect them into a book to to get to sell to people um all of the all of the proceeds are going to charity of course with this nice scam or this nice scam um <laughs> but we we'd really love it if you could give us your your stories and we can help you know create a better society by educating people one thing you'll hear throughout this episode is being open to learning from different people's experiences is absolutely fundamental to the betterment of society and so we'd love it if you could take part in that and helping to educate the masses
0: a hundred and ten percent so if you want to get involved please make sure you check the link in the description for the link to the google doc where you can share your stories and get involved but also to the instagram so you can follow on with all the new updates and get involved with all the discussions happening but without further ado, let's get right into the podcast. First of all, fragility, because it comes in many different forms. It can come across as white fragility in discussions about race. It can come across as fragility in your masculinity in discussions about sexism and gender. Um, but even in saying that, those aren't the only two forms of fragility that exist. But what all forms of fragility do is they ultimately deflect and distract the conversation and completely changes the course of discussion into something wholly unproductive i would say what i'd love to know is how you feel you know fragility manifests itself on social media or in like political activities such as or discussions
1: um i think that just comes it comes across um through defensive um ways of talking when you try and bring up the subject of people's privilege people become very defensive and they um, instantly start denying that they have any form of privilege or any form of advantage or that in any way that society benefits them. And that I feel like people, when they become defensive and start denying it, that's just how it manifests manifests itself. And then it has a wider effect because when they start denying it, they then become anti-movements that will help to and things like white privilege and class privilege and all these different things and gender privilege, etc. It's, it's, it's almost like people use their fragility to absolve themselves of any responsibility to help change the issues at hand. Mm. Um, and it's something that a lot of people, like people just feel like, oh, well, um, if I can like not be seen as responsible, this isn't my mess to clean up when it's a, it's a, it's a duty on all of us to make society a better place.
0: 110 percent and you know this is something I did recently in a video if you're not already following me on social media it's at Hadil Speaks and in that video I was talking about how patriotism in today's society is being used as a method to avoid conversation. Conversation particularly pertaining to how to improve a country or the faults that lie within it. I'd consider myself as someone who has a lot of love for Sudan. But that doesn't mean i feel the need to avoid conversations on the things that need to be addressed and changed and this is an example of fragility right not being secure in one's own love for their country to the point where you decide you're not even going to discuss anything that might challenge your perception or your opinion that you currently hold
1: exactly that's one thing i find about white patriotism is that it generally finds itself in Xenophobic and racist circles, it's generally used as something to justify the mistreatment of minority groups, whereas when there's patriotism for the country of your heritage, like where your family's from, I feel like that's just a genuine you're proud of your culture and you want to see your country improve. The difference I find with the type of people that you know, put the England flag in their bio and they, they're, they're keyboard captains on social media, they're patriotic because they hate others, not because they love their country. There's a very big difference between the two. And that's something that I think people in this country need to be um, be, be wary of.
0: Yeah, I 110% agree with that. And you know, the whataboutisms quickly get followed by the scapegoat in that happens on social media. So um, people will use loads of things to try and avoid discussing the issue at hand. People will try to blame events that are not linked to the situation. That they will try and create a story in order to avoid facing the reality. Now I watched an amazing video by at jolly underscore good underscore ginger on TikTok, where he said, trauma in people decontextualized can be mistaken for personality and trauma in community decontextualized can be mistaken for culture and particularly when it comes to scapegoating this is something that can prove to be extremely damaging for so many people in marginalized communities
1: exactly are you trying to justify the racism, then it it just doesn't make any Mm. sense.
0: With this, a big part of it is understanding that gender, race, all of these things are social constructs. We define them and create them as a society. And so when we look at things like whiteness, we need to understand the difference between whiteness just being whiteness or a colour and whiteness being a social construction or a system in society. And the way it's been constructed is pretty much all the positives. You know, the being educated, the being articulate, the being um, having control over your emotions. And I feel like the contrast to that would be what society has defined as blackness, the loudness, the aggression, the danger, the Being a menace to society, whatever. And once we start to pick up on these trends, we start to notice how fragility plays into those stereotypes. And I'm speaking specifically about white fragility here. Fragility, white fragility will mean, you know, I'm the smart one, I'm the educated one, you're just being aggressive. And you see there's so much on social media. Um, you know, how how do you feel like fragility and privilege interlink?
1: I think like like we said earlier, privilege is kind of like like fragility, sorry, is when people deny their privilege it's like when you have a privilege in any right. sense and not just white privilege you there's automatically going to be some form of fragility there there's always people are always very defensive and i i don't blame them if someone if your understanding of something is that oh my gosh you have privilege and that means you you have all the advantages everything is laid out for you and you've never had any form of problem in your life then i can understand why people will be fragile about that and thus defensive um so yeah that's kind of where the link comes in i suppose
0: 100 mm. percent. i feel like the the privilege not understanding your privilege and not understanding what privilege means i feel like, i use this phrase a lot on this podcast but intellectual laziness i feel like you know you get one idea and you run with it you don't you don't listen to other ideas you don't look at other sources other studies to kind of give you a nuanced understanding and a more comprehensive understanding of the thing you you realize that white people can face trouble in society which no one is disputing i talk about this too but what that doesn't mean is that whiteness is going to be your barrier and that's essentially what white privilege is saying that's what gender-based privilege is saying you know all these class-based privilege all these things it doesn't mean you won't face another form of disadvantage it just means that the one thing that won't disadvantage you is that privilege which is why it's called a privilege
1: and this is where like the whole intersectionality comes in because right. you have you have the like you're saying gender-based privilege class-based privilege all of these different types of privilege you could be white working class and a woman so on the th- on the three-tiered front whilst you have white privilege you don't have class privilege and you right. don't have gender-based privilege and so on the surface people are telling you you have white privilege and you're just thinking, excuse me, I'm a working class woman, I don't have money, society is rigged against me and my gender, so what do you mean I have privilege? And it's just people need to get over this idea because even in my own circumstance, as a a black man, because I'm black, I could easily say, oh, but I didn't have white privilege. Yes, but I have gender-based privilege. Mm-hmm. I have fair amounts of class-based privilege. So it's, it's intersectional and it's it's um, people just need to understand that just because you have white privilege doesn't mean that you're not going to face other forms of privilege. It's just a lack of understanding. And when people don't want to learn, and this is the biggest problem with society. The older we get, the harder it is to learn. But it's just people need to be more more receptive to hearing um to hearing new bits of information and understanding the world and how to make it better
0: yes i completely agree especially when it comes to social media i think we need to familiarize ourselves with the idea that if you don't know enough about a topic you just don't need to speak on it courage is what it takes to stand up and speak but it's also what it takes to sit down and listen because we need to recognize that we won't always know the answer to everything and we won't always have all the information when someone's telling you about privilege or when you're hearing about it the last thing you should do is look to social media as your source because social media is the discussion the source is your research And so it's fundamental, people do their research, and you do your research before you hit the timeline, the comment section, or the record button of a video.
1: Exactly. And the thing about what what I found about social media is, it's often very, very easy to find people who think the way you think. And then you're just reading one-sided arguments, you're seeing one-sided posts, and you just end up thinking that, oh, hang on, I am right no one is challenging you to think in a different way on social media because as far as i'm concerned like uh, the way my social media is set up i'm surrounded by very sort of left-leaning young people who have similar ways of thinking that i do so if i was to go and learn about things on social media all i would see were things that confirm the beliefs i have already i wouldn't be challenged to think any other way you have to go and read outside read a wide range of sources and come to a, a balanced conclusion that makes sense not because of what people have said on the tl not because what's being shown to you on your fyp but because of what you've read researched and come to understand for yourself
0: 110 and i've actually got an episode about this called echo chambers how polarized are we so if you want to check that out please do um But yeah, it's really important to get your sources from somewhere that isn't social media because social media can cause you to be more polarized even if you expose yourself to the other view. Your source has to be academic studies. Your source has to be, you know, people who have dedicated their lives and and have nuanced understanding on the topic because you need to come into the situation knowing that, you know, you're ready to be challenged. That's number one. You need to have the right mentality for it. Number two, get the right sources. Social media influencers, activists, anyone, albeit, is not the right person to get your information from. That's just where the conversation is happening, that's just where the discussion is happening, and so I feel like the sooner we make that distinction, the sooner people can move on to more productive discussions. 110%. Now do you think, I always like to think about this, but do you think fragility is born from the entitlement, that sense of entitlement that comes with privilege? Or do you feel like it's a response to political correctness? Because this is a big discussion right now about, you know, this idea of being politically correct. Do you think it's because the person has internalised their entitlement so much? Or do you think it's a knee-jerk reaction? I
1: think for the most part, it is a knee-jerk reaction. That said, entitled people tend to be quite fragile. When people are not used to hearing no and they hear no, Mm. they get very defensive and fragile and it, and it shakes them up so when you're telling someone oh you're privileged you're privileged and they've never heard that before it's going to shake them up that said I feel as though the manifestation that we're seeing in political discourse that we have in, you know, in today's society it is like the fragility that we see is a result of the discourse it's a result of people telling them that X like such and such response is politically correct, this is politically correct. And as a result, that fragility has now come, t- has come out to defend these people, if that makes sense. Mm. I think that it may have always been inside them. They may have always been quite fragile people on certain topics, because you know, especially white people, they don't like to talk about racism, they never have. But I feel as the, the the political correctness culture that we have, this PC culture, That we have um has definitely brought that fragility to the to the forefront in a way that we can all see it
0: and i think when it comes to conversations about race we can't center whiteness in the same way when it comes to conversations about gender we need to look at gender as a whole for example sexism and we can't center masculinity or the feeling of men at the center because it's about dismantling both of those ideas um and you know when when fragility happens Like I said in that clubhouse room, the conversation not only gets moved from the reality of, of black people, it then changes completely into the feelings of white people. And that's one of the key problems with fragility. It centers whiteness or it centers masculinity or male fragility instead of the topic at hand. And deflection is a very powerful tool and it's a very damaging one too. Um,
1: It is, it is. I was talking to my friends the other day and we were saying about how in secondary school things would happen, like lots of microaggressions and stuff like that would happen. And you wouldn't necessarily call it out, one, because it's hard to prove. And two, when you call them out and people react like, oh my gosh, I'm not a racist, I'm not a racist, you almost feel bad for them. And it's Mm. like this is not about your feelings this is not about it's not about you it's not about making you feel better about yourself it's about dealing with the racism or whatever social issue that that the fragility is um, is about
0: 110 percent and I feel like one of the biggest problems is how we've been taught about racism and how we've been taught about you know um, different forms of discrimination and oppression in society in school we get taught about the extreme in that we get taught about the transatlantic slave trade for example and people connect that with racism and so when you call out different forms of racism or white supremacy that contribute to this overall structural systemic system of oppression people be like no, I'm not racist because what they've been taught is racism, is slavery. But it's, it, it, it's very different forms of things, you know. What people have been taught is sexism, is not women not having the vote. But it's much deeper than that, it's, it's multi-layered.
1: It's only for them, it's only, you know, it's only racism if you're, if you say the N-word, if you openly call someone a monkey or something like that. Like that is racism, and that's where it stops. What they fail to understand, and this is very important, it's something that the education system really needs to work on: is the fact that these societal issues, these ways of oppression, are so multi-layered and multifaceted that you could be exhibiting racism in in a way that it's it's subconscious, and this is the problem: subconscious bias and all of these all of these ways of of oppressing people through microaggressions that you're not so aware of need to be taught if people are gonna if people are gonna learn
0: right and that's that's a whole nother topic on the fact that you know one of the tools used to understand this i'd like to call it rather a lens is critical race theory and the discussion about critical race theory is is really interesting at the moment you know a lot of people are 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 disliking it um because of the fact that you know it centers race as a lot of issues and that's kind of the point of a, a theory it doesn't mean it's the only theory or the only way to understand problems relating to race but you know understanding how different things that we'd consider small, may contribute to racism is fundamental. And that means a lot of people are gonna get shaken in their boots. A lot of people are gonna be you know, confronted with truths that they may not have realized previously. And instead of allowing your fragility to take the front wheel, maybe have more perception and openness to understanding the different things. Because for example, for me, when I was in school, um, you know, my natural hair was a big thing. You know, African culture, our hair is a big thing for us. Um, But I was always ashamed of it, not because um, it was ugly, but because of how people would react to it and how people would make you feel because of it. For example, can I touch your hair? Is it always like this? Is it, um, you know, you know, that's not really professional. Maybe you should have it up like teachers, for example, all this kind of stuff that is contributing to racism. Right. That is that is a part of racism. And people don't realize that because like, we, like we've highlighted, racism is painted as this broad brush slavery or broad br- broad brush using the N-word.
1: Agreed, agreed, yeah, 100%. I think it's, 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 it's the little things that people need to learn about more often than, I mean, the big things, you know, not the macro aggressions, people tend to have that down pat. That's very basic mm-hmm. knowledge. It's the smaller, it's the smaller ones. The death by a thousand cuts racism. i forgot Mm. forgot who said that i think it was gina yashiri um it's that type it's it's those things that contribute to the wider the wider system yep you've definitely hit the nail on the head
0: and i completely agree with that and so first of all i'd like to say thank you to andrew for for joining me for this episode but also thank you to everyone that's listened i feel like if you if you want things to take away from this episode it would be that you know fragility is something that you may not be aware of but something that you need to start becoming aware of if there's a discussion about a marginalised group of people and you're the centre of it, chances are you've centred yourself in a place you shouldn't have and that is a form of fragility. You know, it's not about you, it's not always about you and that's a big part. Um, And the second of which, we need to have that meaningful dialogue and to do that, you need to be willing to have your opinion changed and you need to be willing to sit down and do the work beforehand. Don't speak on things you don't understand, That's, that's okay. It's okay to listen sometimes. Um, you know, there's this quote that my um, mum always used to say to me, "You have two ears and one mouth. Listen twice. speak once, right. Um, and this is a big part of of fragility. kind of question why you think things. that's that's a big part of changing society. Do you have any final I thoughts? I would echo
1: you? what Hadil was saying about being open. I think that's the most important thing in in changing the way that society, society is on certain issues that everybody needs to be open to hearing something different. We've all been raised with you know often a single narrative of of people's struggles of societal issues we've all been raised thinking a certain way, and we need to be open to understanding that maybe this isn't the right way to deal with this issue. Maybe I need to think about things differently, maybe I don't have the full picture, I don't have the entire the the, the all of the knowledge that I thought I had maybe. I need to re rethink about certain things, and unless you're going to be open, society isn't going to change. And that's that is for everybody. That it's not just white people, because I know the, the the topics like this tend to. Um, Tend to bring up white people oftentimes that is for everyone that's a part of any form of any privileged Mm -hmm. community whether you are male whether you are straight whether you are in a um, a middle to upper class background whether you have any form of privilege you need to understand that okay there may be things that i'm not understanding because of my privilege and that is fine you're if you have privilege the chance no one's really expecting you to understand things anyway but the the thing is you need to be open you need to be open to 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 learning more and to be thinking things
0: i feel like that's the perfect way to end and that's the perfect way to conceptualize everything we've been saying um if you want to keep um following andrew he's absolutely amazing on social media his instagram is (laughs) at andrew.coker um i'll leave it linked in the in the comment section the comment section what is this it's not youtube i'll leave it linked in the description and um, his tiktok is andrew the african kid will also be linked don't forget to get involved with the racial project and also follow this podcast because i've got some incredibly interesting episodes lined up once again i'd like to say thank you to andrew for joining me on this episode and thank you to you for listening and until next wednesday at 7:30 p.m hadil speaks over and out